I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Well, if you, you were to make a list of important values in our society, values that our society upholds and treats as valuable, values like civility, kindness, respect, and honor would not be high on the list. We are proficient today at tearing each other down, at assuming the worst of one another, at being pushy bullies, and it's separating ourselves into tribes who wage war with one another. More and more, it seems like our society today is devolving into barbaric behavior. And not even just in the way that we speak to one another anymore, but into the way that we act towards one another. Just think about violence in our streets and violence on our capital steps that's so fresh in our minds. Now, traditionally, theologians have divided up the Ten Commandments into what they call the two tables of the law. So the first table, which makes up commandments one through four, has to do with loving God, while the second table of the law, commandments five through ten, has to do with loving our neighbor, which is exactly how Jesus summarized the whole law, right? Love God and love your neighbor, and one fascinating detail about these final six commandments, as we begin the second table of the law together this morning, is that they don't fit neatly into any of our boxes that we prescribe for our society to flourish. So some of these commandments fit into what we might call a more progressive category for our society to flourish. So commands like do not steal and do not covet, when you press them to their implications, get really uncomfortable for some of our visions of society flourishing. But then on the other side, others don't really fit into a more, uh, or others fit into a more conservative category of societal flourishing. Things like not committing adultery or honoring your father and your mother, which we're going to talk about this morning. And I think just as we begin the second table of the law, it's good news for us that, that when God speaks into the chaos of the wilderness of sinful humanity, what he says is good is so much bigger and better than any of our small boxes and categories that we could come up with. It encompasses all of our life. And so here we are at the outset of the second half of the law, talking about loving our neighbor as ourself, and where God chooses to begin is commanding us to honor our parents. And this placement, this commandment at the beginning of this second half of the Ten Commandments is significant because it tells us that in order to have a society of honor and dignity and respect, we must start with building families of honor, dignity, and respect. And so as we talk about that this morning, let's pray and seek the Lord's help, and then we'll talk about this commandment together. Would you pray with me? Father, you tell us in, in your word in Psalm 1 that we will be blessed 
as we delight and meditate upon your law. Help us today as we study this commandment to do just that. Help us as we look at your law and its implications for our lives. Help us to delight in it as we see the ways in which you have prescribed good boundaries that leads to our good. So Father, teach us, correct us where we need correcting, and help us to follow Jesus more faithfully as a result of looking at and studying this command today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's begin our time together by reading this commandment again in its totality. But we're going to read it from a New Testament source. So if you would, open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is in the midst of talking about how the good news of Jesus influences our family life. And in these verses, dedicated to the relationship between children and parents, he quotes the fifth commandment verbatim to back up his point. So we're going to go to Ephesians 6, and we're going to read that portion of Ephesians chapter 6 together. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. It says there, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Here's the commandment. Honor your father and mother, and then side parentheses. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, let's start with that word honor. Honor your father and mother. Now, that word honor, in Exodus chapter 20, it's the Hebrew word that means for something to be weighty. To to, to honor somebody is to treat them with the proper value and respect and weight that their person deserves. And here, God, God is saying that all parents, you might say by virtue of holding the office of being a parent, are deserving of honor. Parents can be more or less honorable. That's what Paul's talking about in verse 4. But they should still be honored as parents, regardless of whether we deem them to be an honorable person or not. But notice that word choice. Not obedience, not even love in its fullest sense is commanded, but honor. Honor your father and mother. And that's significant. So, so if, you're, if you're an adult, your parents don't get to make your budget, right? They don't get to make choices about where you send your kids to school. You don't have to obey them in that sense. But they still ought to be honored and held up with esteem and weight in your life. And when we hear this command, I think we typically think of parents, maybe your parents, or maybe children that are here, maybe your parents have used it this way before, using it as the ultimate trump card to the proverbial kid question, why? Right? So kids always ask, well, why do I have to do this? And this commandment, you could say, provides you the ground to say, because God said so, (laughs) right? Ultimately, because God said so. But think about this. The commandment goes so much deeper than just that. The Ten Commandments, 
And this commandment in particular were addressed not just to kids, meaning little kids, but to the whole commandment, or I'm sorry, the commandment was addressed to the whole totality of the people of Israel, meaning grown adults in their grown family relationships. And not only that, but these families were not families the way that we think of families. So Israel didn't have the 1950s ideal of family that we do. It wasn't mom, dad, two kids, 2.5 kids, uh, with a dog and a white picket fence in a suburban home. Children, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, all would have lived together on the patriarch's land. And in giving this commandment, what God is desiring is he desires to bless us with a web of thick and dignifying and respectful relationships that continue on for generations. That's what this commandment would have meant into that context, the way that they thought about family. This commandment ensures an environment in the family where parents can lovingly teach and train their children and where children can respect and respond to their parents. It ensures an environment for honorable people to have honoring relationships. Sitting under the authority of a family tree like that is an immense blessing to us. And that's why God gives us this commandment. But we don't often think about it this way. So it's not uncommon to hear someone between the ages of 25 and 40 years old, so I'm right smack dab in the middle of that, make this exclamation. So in social contexts, or if you're just talking to your spouse or whatever, you'll say something, and then you'll say, oh man, I can't believe I just said that. I sound just like my dad. <laughs> and, and the implication almost always is, oh no, I sound just like my dad. And if we step back from that, we, we might ask the question, who else would you expect to sound like? Right? Of course you sound like your dad. For, for almost all of us, the most formative influence in our life has been at least one parent. But I think this type of exclamation shows us that we are creatures of our culture and our age. People in the past were largely defined by their family. So, so people in the past had the, had the thought process of, well, my father was a blacksmith, and so I will be a blacksmith. After all, our family name is the Smiths. That's what we do. That's who we are. Family defined who we were. But, but in today's world, particularly in our Western culture, we define ourselves not by how we relate to our families, but over and against our families, in distinction from our families. If you want proof of this, look at the storyline of every teenage movie, every Disney Channel original movie to show my age and my generation. The storyline always goes something like this. Parents have a vision for their teenager's life. Teenager starts to live into that, doesn't go well, and they cast off their parents' vision by saying, that's not my dream, mom, that's your dream, right? Now, this is not to say 
that traditional cultures were a golden age. I'm glad that my mom and dad didn't get to choose my profession or who I married, although I think they might have chosen something similar. I'm glad I got to do that for myself. But it is to say that we all, we have to recognize this. In our culture today, we are all incredibly predisposed to undervalue family and shirk the wonderful responsibility that it is to honor our parents. We all, both children and parents alike, don't submit to God and the family roles that he has given to us. And so how can our families begin more to emulate this ideal of the fifth commandment? What does that look like in practice? Well, let me speak to immediate families first, so so to parents and children directly. I was listening to a podcast with a pastor a few months ago who's kind of a a hero of mine, and, and the host asked him a question about how he and his wife raised such wonderful children. And he responded to that. He said, he said that he and his wife used this question as they were starting to have kids to guide how they wanted their home to be and to feel. The environment they wanted to create in their family was guided by this question. How can we cultivate a home where our kids know and experience that ultimate reality is the glorious goodness of God? Let me read that again. That's a mouthful. How could we cultivate a home where our kids know and experience that ultimate reality is the glorious goodness of God? That's massive. But it also sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Parents and children, are you both contributing your part to make sure that your home shines forth with the goodness of God? Parents, are you lovingly training your children to launch them out to be mature adults in the world? Are you setting an honorable example for your children? And children, are you honoring and respecting your parents as those who love you and who likely have your best interests at heart? But but this command affects not just parents and young children in an immediate family like that, but it also affects the way that we relate to our parents throughout the course of our lives. So if you notice, this commandment doesn't have an end date. It doesn't say that there is a termination date on honor your father and mother. There's so many things I could say about the way we honor our parents throughout our lives. Let me just mention two things briefly. So first, I'll say to to college students or to young adults. So to the college students and young adults in the room today, honor your parents in your speech with your peers. One of the best ways that you and I, putting myself in this age category, can honor our parents is to demonstrate forgiveness by what we leave unsaid. So even as you grow up and come to realize the ways in which your parents gasp, we're sinners just like you, realize also the sacrifices that they made for you. Let that humble you. Let that drive you in this season of life to drill deeper into relationship with your parents than you've ever gone before. 
This age is an opportunity to do that. And then let me speak to those of you who have parents who are getting older. And this is what the video spoke to as well. We honor our parents by preparing for and caring for them in the last years of their life, when they are at their most vulnerable. There is such an honor and dignity that is shown towards your parents when you commit to being in it with them until the end. Again, this commandment doesn't have an end date. We've watched at our church as several people have faithfully stuck it out in recent months and years with their parents until the end. And it is a beautiful thing of honor and dignity and sacrifice to watch. But let's return to the text of this commandment in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read it again, verses 2 and 3. And as I do, Notice, we're going to pay attention now to the promise that's attached to this commandment. So look with me and pay special attention to that promise. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, quoting Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, what, what does that promise mean? For us. Now, I think we can say it doesn't mean that those who honor their parents get to live longer than the rest of us. I haven't, I didn't do any fact checking or stats this week. I, I didn't Google what the stats are on pe- people who honor their parents, but I'd venture to guess that many honoring children have died young throughout the years. I, I don't think that's what this commandment is promising to us. But I do think that this commandment promises us something that that opens up a doorway into the deeper goodness of this command, not just for our families, but the whole of our society. You see, Israel is given the Ten Commandments on the way to the land promised to their ancestor Abraham. And these commandments here are like the founding charter documents for the kingdom of Israel in the land of Canaan. These are foundational documents for that people group. And and what this is saying is that the culture of the family, a culture where children honor their parents and parents love and train up their children, that family culture has direct implications for the broader culture of Israel as a whole. A culture with a thick social fabric of honoring and dignifying relationships begins with a thick social fabric of honoring and dignifying relationships within the family. So this family structure that we talked about, where where multi-generational teams care for one another and come together, is not an oppressive thing, as our world might say. A family team that is tied together by relationships of love and respect and honor are one of the main ways that God unleashes blessing on the world. After all, when God wanted to bless the world way back in Genesis chapter 1, what did he do? He brought Adam and Eve together and told them to start a family. The family is the basic building block to unleash God's blessing in the world. 
And God commands that children ought to honor their parents. And this relationship is a microcosm of all the different relationships of honor and authority and civility that we are to uphold in our world. Which is why we as Christians cannot succumb to the brutal, hyperbolic, dehumanizing nature of our days, of our current day. Let me just make this really concrete. No Christian can chant or chuckle at the phrase, let's go Brandon, without breaking the fifth commandment. There is authority in the office of the president that we are called to uphold as Christians. God created society and our lives to flourish through a series of honoring, dignifying, and loving relationships that start with our families. Obeying the fifth commandment was the foundation for a life of blessing for the nation of Israel in the land. And honoring our parents lays the foundation for blessing in a society by encouraging civil honoring relationships between honorable people. But like we said earlier, both children and parents alike don't submit to God and the family roles that he has given to us. And this crack in the foundation has an impact on the structure of the whole house. Listen to what the Christian columnist David Brooks has to say in a piece that he wrote for The Atlantic about the family that illustrates this point. He says, when we discuss the problems confronting our country, we don't talk about family enough. It feels too judgmental too uncomfortable, maybe even too religious. But the blunt fact is that the nuclear family has been crumbling in slow motion for decades, and many of our other problems with education, mental health, addiction, the quality of the labor force stem from that crumbling. What Brooks is saying there is is validating to the promise that's attached to the fifth commandment. That when we live to honor our parents, we will live in relationships of blessing and society will flourish. But he's saying here that our society is reeling. And so many of us are reeling because we have not valued the family as we should. And not the the individualized, segmented nuclear family, but family meaning robust multi-generational structures of respect and love and support. And when that cracks, the whole building crumbles. And we experience that. But it is into a culture like this that Jesus has called his church to live differently, to live as a family. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12. If you want to turn there with me, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 46 until the end of the chapter there in verse 50. And listen to what Jesus has to say about family relationships here. Starting in verse 46, it says, while he was still speaking to the people, 
Behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. So while Jesus was still speaking, his mom and his brothers are outside wanting, wanting to talk to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so you may read that and think, well, it, is Jesus devaluing the importance of family that's held up in the fifth commandment? But I don't think that's the point. Jesus isn't downplaying the earthly family here as much as he's showing the radical nature of the body of Christ, the church. Jesus is saying that if you are in Christ, the church is your family. And so to apply that to our day and age, in an age that is lonely, in an age that is brutal and polarizing, the truth of the church being the family of God is a radical and compelling alternative to our neighbors. And it's saying that part of how we obey the fifth commandment is by being the family of God. It's by being the church in all that that means. And again, there's so many ways that we could flesh this out. But, but one way I'll just mention is that we do this by broadening our family boundaries. We broaden our family boundaries beyond just our blood nuclear family to, the, to those that are around us, particularly in the church. So my wife Whitley and I were, were part of a community group at the church we attended in college that was led by one of the elders of our church named Steve. And as we took part in this group, Whitley and I witnessed Steve keeping the fifth commandment. And I, as I, we watched as he welcomed four single middle-aged adults who had never married, those who are often overlooked by the church, those who feel undervalued by the church, he welcomed them not just into our small group, but into his family. They celebrated holidays with his family. They went on trips with his family. These four people were part of his family. Church, this commandment, the fifth commandment, is not a call to preserve sanitary domestic bliss. It's not a call to put up walls around our family and say, we're going to protect this house. God's call for, for our society flourishing begins with bringing those who have no family or who are estranged from their family or who feel lonely like they have no family into our own family. We're called to be spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters to one another. In this age where honoring and dignifying relationships are collapsing, the church, we all have an opportunity to show the world the way forward. And in this same vein, let me just stop and say that the elderly saints in this church ought to be treated like heroes among us. There are 
people in this church who have given their entire lives to the cause of the gospel that deserve our honor and have lived lives worth emulating. So, so even this past week, I, I guess it was Thursday of the week before, uh, right as I was starting to think about this sermon, Carolyn Aiken and I pulled out this notebook that she has And it was this founding notebook of all these documents from when this church was founded some 22, 23 years ago. I think that's about right. And we pulled out this list of people, the founding members of Community Evangelical Free Church. And I read that list of names. And I saw people that are here in our midst this morning. And I thought, These people are heroes living lives of sacrifice and dignity and honor. They deserve to be treated that way. I am so grateful for all of you faithful older saints who have gone before me, who have gone before us. Thank you. And for those of us who are younger in here this morning, We need to avail ourselves of their resources. We need to honor them and submit to them. Take them out to coffee as much as you can and sit under their wisdom of what it looks like to be a godly parent and a godly husband and wife and a godly Christian and church member. And one more thing to those of you who are older and who are maybe tempted at this point in your life to check out from life in the church and put things on cruise control, I would just plead with you that we need you. That you are a vital member in the body of Christ, in the family of God. Stick with us. We need your wisdom and your love and your support and your giftings. Well, I recognize that I have not yet addressed In this sermon, those who have parents who have abandoned them or have actively sought their harm. And if that is you this morning, if you have parents like that, then you likely have not been able to focus on much of what's been said this morning. Some of you maybe even have trouble trusting God as your father because of what your earthly parents have done to you. And you've been listening to this sermon with the burning question in your mind, how do I honor the parent that abused me and tore me down or that left me? Undoubtedly, some of you will even bristle that we are asking that very question. Why would I honor somebody like that? And I would submit to you that if that is your situation, then so much of what learning to honor the parent that harmed you entails is learning to forgive them for what they've done. Honor does not mean that you have to have a relationship with your parent necessarily. Some of your parents have left you with no other choice than to not have a relationship. But I believe it does mean that to honor them, you work to let go of your bitterness and resentment against them. And in some way, We all have to do this. In order to honor our parents, step one is that we have to first recognize that they are sinners just like us and forgive them. 
And the only way that we get resources to forgive and honor like that in those extreme circumstances, and even in our daily circumstances if we had good parents, is by receiving the love of our Heavenly Father. So many of us fail to honor our parents and fail to receive the love of our Heavenly Father because we are still holding our earthly parents up on the pedestal that is reserved for God himself. We can't honor our parents because we are expecting them to be God for us. But in the gospel, you receive the unconditional love of a father that your heart longs and yearns for, that is demonstrated by Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross for you. And out of this love we receive from our heavenly father, we can learn to forgive and honor our parents. That's hard work. That's deep soul level work that takes a lot of time and prayer but we can begin to learn to do that. For those of you who had parents who were not perfect, but they were good and honorable, the love of God the Father allows you to stop treating them as a God in your life, to forgive their sins, and to humbly accept all the loving care that they have poured into your life for years and continue to do so. And for those of you who had parents who actively sought to harm you, the love of God allows you to not let them rule your life through bitterness and resentment. But you might say, you don't understand. How can I know and trust a heavenly father when my earthly parents have done things like this? How can I begin to trust that God is good? And let me just ask you a question if, this is what, if that's what you're thinking. And if that's what you've experienced. And I don't mean this as antagonistic. I mean this to, to get you to think. Why are you so mad at your father who left? Or at your mother who abused you? I think you're angry with them. Because of what they've done to you, yes. But because you know deep within you, what a true parent is supposed to look like. And you know that your parents have fallen far short of that. And know that that standard that you hold them to, which you in some ways rightly should, is evidence that there is a father who loves you and who wants your heart. That he is someone who is trustworthy. The fact that you are so angry with your parents who have sinned horribly against you shows that you were made to receive the unconditional love of your father in heaven. And the cross of Jesus is proof that he loves you. But no matter whether you have great parents or terrible parents, you have the love of the father and the true family in his church that your heart longs for. You have that readily available for you today. Receive the love of God the Father and enjoy your adoption into his family. This is the foundation of how we honor our earthly parents, is by receiving the love of our Heavenly Father.
Well, next week, Pastor Benjamin is going to be speaking on the sixth commandment, do not murder. And although we are people who chronically devalue and deface human life, this commandment is God's declaration to us that life matters. Come back next week and hear more. Let me pray for us. Father, there are so many things that could get in the way of our receiving of your word for us this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would clear those things away now and would let the simple truth that you are a God who loves us and who wants to be our caring Father melt our hearts May we receive that love and may it change the way that we view our relationships with our parents and ultimately everyone around us, that we would become honorable people and people who treat others with love and honor and dignity and respect. Change us, Lord, and help us today to enjoy the love that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.